0: to Raising Joyful and Resilient Black Children podcast, where we bridge conversations from parenting to child well-being and social justice, and we provide resources and tools for parents connected to research that matters to us and to our community. I'm Dr.
1: Valerie Adams-Bass. And I am Dr. Sherita Butler-Barnes. Let's get started. Before we introduce our wonderful um, um, Parent Joy Circle guest, let's talk a little bit about um, why this conversation is important for us as mothers, but also as professional women as well, too. It's hard to keep the conversation short, but I will say, um, as a
0: relatively new mom, new in the you know lifespan of childhood, I have a six year old. And for the longest, I was an aunt um, to, my, to my niece and nephews, my sister's children. And that was great. And I would say, you know, I'm their mother proxy. But having your own children and needing to build a circle of uh, parents who are have children in a similar age, as well as parents who have older children and can sort of relate to what you're experiencing and tell you, you know, you're going to get to the other side. Uh, but also importantly, to have parents who could relate to my identity as a Black mm-hmm. mother, right? My identity as a Black mother, my identity as a Black professional mother, um, the decisions that come along with the choices I make about the spaces that are safe for my okay. child, um, just, just all those things are important. And being being an academic means that there are times when we're in environments that might not be very welcoming, right? I can't find all of those spaces. So having a circle that's close to me, as well as a circle that's a little bit further out, just means so much. And so when we were living in Charlottesville, my daughter was three, and one of one of her favorite places to go, which I love, is the library. Yeah. And, you know, I sent my husband and my daughter to the library when she had just turned three two weeks ago and said, you know, she loves the library, a newer library. Um, let's let's just take her there. Give me a few minutes to um, re- recoup and get myself together. And we had an incident with a librarian who pretty much assaulted my daughter. She grabbed mm-hmm. her. At three, um At three, (laughs) at three, with two weeks into three. Um, And part of it was the community in which we're living and what was accepted for Black families and children. We were new to the community. We were transplants because I am an academic. Um, and But what I can say for a variety of things that happened is I was really able to call on a community of other parents, both um, non-Black and Black, near and far, who rallied around Our daughter who rallied around myself and my husband to help us to process that, you know, racialized incident, if you will, to help us to, you know, make her feel okay, make her feel safe as we were dealing with, you know, the trauma of addressing this issue. And, you know, the brighter side even to that is that she still loves the library Um, and still goes to the library, minus COVID (laughs) But, you know, that made me also say that is why this community needs a Children's mm-hmm. Defense Fund Freedom School. That's and right. that Children's Defense Fund Freedom School is currently active in the Charlottesville community four and a half years down the line. Um, So it was a moment of insti- of support for my child, but also support for other black children. So we need these spaces where we can come together and figure out what is safe and how we protect our children.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think mine is for um, very similar to you. So I'm a mother of two black girls, 16 years old. Wonderful. Got a lot of teenage years and then then an 11 year old. And so I always wanted a space where we can have parents from, you know, because black folks are not a monolith in terms of hearing different perspectives around parenting, um, sharing ideas and resources, but really being in a space that was very supportive. And then the academic me as a developmental psychologist, as we both are, um, loves this because I always wanted to translate what I do in academia to the community. So to be on this space and to be able to have conversations with parents that are sort of going through the same um, um, incidences as we are to have these authentic conversations. I think is wonderful. Like I always tell folks, people in the community are not reading journal articles. They They're, not sure. read Learners, <laughs> right? so They're not reading journal articles. They are not, absolutely. They are not doing it at all. at all. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it is the space of being a parent. This is why I'm so excited for today's conversation. And then also, um, the academic piece. And then we are both academics, which means we know how to use facts and knowledge and statistics. Yeah. Yeah. And we can really talk about yeah. the experience of black family.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, so, I, sure. I just absolutely. I, I super love that part. And, yeah. and the reason that I love that part is because. Um, Oftentimes the sort of model programs and a model, you know, the idealistic behavior for children, the idealistic intervention, the idealistic program and sort of stair steps that they recommend for children. Are not the programs that you or I research, or our colleagues. They're not the programs that That's are right. often. They're not the programs that are best for our children. And so, I love that we're able to be parents ourselves to talk to other parents who are across the childhood spectrum. Our children are all different ages. So, at least between the two of us, we have a six-year-old, eleven-year-old, and a sixteen-year-old. We're gonna hear from the rest of our parents, That's you right. know, about where their children are. And so, when that, you know, when you're in a school or or someone in your community recommends a program. You know we have the ability as researchers to talk about and contextualize, you know, whether or not that program That's right. sort of fits the bill, or is there something else that you could do or someone else that we can talk to to help not just those of us in our parent joy circle who can help us with the conversation, right. but other parents who are listening in. So super excited to yes. have this conversation on a regular
1: basis. That's right. So now we get our parent joy circle. Yeah. So, um, let's bring in the joy. <laughs> let's bring in the joy. And so um today on the show we're very excited to introduce to you some of the members of our joy circle. Hello ladies, welcome to the show. Hello. 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 See that we already have diversity already. Listen to that choir of hello. Can we get that one more time? <laughs> welcome to the show. Hello. Hello. Beautiful. Love it. Love it. Love it. And so I want you all to briefly introduce yourselves. Tell us a little, bit, and the age of your child will be great. And just, um, yeah, so just start off briefly introducing yourselves because we have a rich discussion we're going to get into today, and I'm really excited. And so um, how about, um, Lynn, can you tell us about yourself? Please introduce yourself.
2: Well, thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Barnes and Dr. Bass. Uh, my name is Lynn Henry Roach, and I'm bringing greetings from Atlanta, Georgia. And mm-hmm. I'm originally from Haiti, but raised in the United States. So we'll get into culture, <laughs> Absolutely. for sure.
1: Absolutely.
2: Um, um, I'm married, and I'm a proud mother of two children. I have a 22-year-old son in college, and I have a 16-year-old teenage daughter. Oh, that's fun. So uh, we're <laughs> yes. going to get into the teen years as yes. well. yes, uh, yes. On a professional level, um, I'm an author, an educator, and a business owner, and I do volunteer work in the community. And I recently founded a nonprofit organization to bring educational technology to schools in Haiti and in the U.S. So okay. I awesome. I love community. I love doing humanitarian things, and I'm very strong advocate for education for all.
0: Fantastic! Thank you, Lynn.
2: What's the best part? What do you remember? What's the joyful part of parenting for you? Well, when my children get to a space where they're able to say, mom, thank you. Hmm. They appreciate
0: oh, you. I love it. Oh, wow. They, they
2: recognize um, your efforts mm-hmm. and they want to emulate it. You know, um, they're able to successfully navigate things that you said, be patient. It'll come. And then to mm-hmm. see the realization of their hard work. Um, uh-huh. It's not easy. Every day you have, you know, parenting is a 24 hour job, seven days a week, a forever job. You never get, you know, to say I'm retiring from parenting. Doesn't happen. Right. That's like right. I tell my yeah. kids, you know, you'll I'll be 100 and you'll be 57 or whatever, and I'll still be your mom.
0: That's, <laughs> That's absolutely. it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> thanks, Lynn. We appreciate you. And thanks for
1: being a part of our Parent Joy Circle. My pleasure. Okay. How about Sharon? Hello. Hey. Hey, Sharon, thank you for joining us. Hi, Sharon.
3: Hi, no problem. I'm happy to be here. So um, I am a, ma- a mother uh, to a three-year-old son, um, Isaiah, and um, who definitely keeps me very uh, busy, but I love him to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'm also a elementary school counselor. So oh. I'm just so happy to be on this podcast with all of you all. Welcome.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Sharon. And what's your favorite joyful thing about parenting? Or your most joyful thing about your three-year-old
3: son? Wow. There's so many things that bring me joy um, with him. I mean, it's it's just so much. Uh, definitely his smile and his just personality. He's He's just. <laughs> full of joy and he 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 makes everybody happy honestly um so yes definitely um been a blast being his mom and in this being on this motherhood journey thank you
0: the joy crew Thanks so much yeah
3: (laughs) tanika
4: hello um well i am tanika and i am a Blogger, uh, micro influencer, writer, and I am also a homeschool mom to two neurodivergent boys. Um, we are currently um, in North Carolina. I've always homeschooled them. So um, I personally don't have like the parent traditional school experience, mm-hmm. but I am actively reflecting a lot on and, you know, helping my other friends just navigate the current school experience and then also advocating and educating as far as um, our homeschool experience goes.
1: And so- oh, thank you.
3: Go ahead. Thank oh.
1: you, Tanika. Go ahead, Sharina. Yeah, I <laughs> wanted to say, just for our audience, can you define what neurodivergent is? Okay, sure. So
4: for- us, um, neurodivergent is a vast and ever-growing spectrum of the intricacies of the brain makeup and how that reflects into learning behavior, social cues, understanding social norms, um, memory, things of that sort. So as far as diagnoses that reflect this, um, my Well, both of my children are on the spectrum. They both have autism spectrum disorder and are currently classified as high functioning. Um, and I say currently classified because I think, especially in my, the beginning of my journey, that is kind of like what the goal was to get them to high functioning. And, um, if I could go back and tell myself or tell any other mom, I would just tell them that your goal is to be your best right here. Um, so, um, both of them are on autism spectrum, both of them have what's called attention deficit and hyperactivity disorder., okay. and then my oldest has, which was completely new to me, um dysgraphia, and then my youngest has dyslexia.
1: Hmm. okay, so they
4: are both three, three times,
1: yeah, yeah, so thank you for that. I just you know. Yes it's the, you know, this space is also making sure that we have all the knowledge that others have. And so explaining what neurodiversity is, is very helpful for us and then for the audience as well too. And so Valerie, I think you was going to ask her that question that you've been asking everybody about what's the most. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, so I have two questions for you. I was going to say, tell us their ages and also tell us what's the joyful part of having two boys. Okay, so
4: um, they are very newly six and eight. I have missed out their ages quite a few times and have gotten checked very quickly. Um, they are no longer five and seven. Don't say that out loud. Um, they're newly six and eight. And, oh my gosh, my most joyful part, I I really think it is seeing them come into themselves, you know, and, um, Mm -hmm. And especially, Mm -hmm. you know, having Black boys in this America just be so uh, confident in who they are and what they enjoy and their strengths and just really like kind of supporting that, Mm -hmm. even though. I know, I know nothing about it. I don't want to know about a Pokemon. Um
2: <laughs> You will
4: learn.
3: <laughs> <laughs> nothing for me. Um,
4: or, you know, my oldest like really loves animals and I'm like, sure. all right. Sure. So, yeah, yeah.
0: That, that's the part, seeing them come into themselves. selves. Sure, Tanika, I must tell you, I have a daughter and um, as I mentioned earlier, you may not care about Pokemon, but one day you'll wake up singing the Pokemon or humming the Pokemon Absolutely, team. We have LOL bags, at small, medium, and large. We've we yes. got the aunties watching the LOL movie. I said, you might only make it through the first 15 minutes, but at least you'll know what
2: it is. You yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. it's, yes. it's coming. I'm an auntie too, and I've right. so many yeah. LOL
4: stuff, and oh. people are like, what? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what this is, but yeah. here
0: you go. Yeah. So Pokemon
1: is going to stay, stay
0: right where they are.
1: So thanks, Tanika,
0: Sharita. Okay, yeah. We'll
1: talk let's see. I think we have, um, let's go to Desiree.
5: All right. So my name is Desiree Tucker and um, I am a wife to David and I have a five-year-old and a nine-year-old. And we live in, in Newmarket here in Frederick County. Um, I have a nonprofit called Women Solve. And I have had that nonprofit since 2019. And we bring groups of women together to focus on solving a problem. That's why it's called Women Solve. So we focus on one issue at a time and tackle that and see it through. Awesome. So that's me. Thank you. Happy to be here with you all. Thank you. Great,
0: great, great.
5: Lately, because again, you know, parenthood does not come with a manual, and um, at all, I am <laughs> at all, and um, you know, going through everything with my oldest. You know, you, you experience that first, and then the youngest kind of benefits from that learned wisdom. Um, of you know, mm-hmm. I am for myself. I'm, I'm enjoying when he's you know coming to me with an issue we discuss his day every day as well as I do with the 5 year old but coming to me with an issue and feeling like okay I actually gave some good advice like maybe I could do this mm-hmm. um that is that's a that's a joyful moment and to see you know the light bulbs go off and and to see you know advice that I give work because very often as a parent um, you know, I go around feeling like I'm just completely unqualified for this. I can't believe they let me have these two children and, you know, walk out of the hospital with them at all. But, um, so, so that I find joy, I find joy in being able to, to help them and feeling like I'm, I'm guiding and, and doing the right thing.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yes. Yes. That's good stuff. So we've got lots
1: of
6: boys in this room. Lots
1: it's of wild. boys in this
6: room. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So yeah. now we have, I think, Yawande. Okay, so my name is Yawande Oladende, and um, I'm a. I, I live in Frederick, Maryland. I have mm-hmm. two boys, ages nine and five, and um, I am a public health professional, and I'm also involved in the community, doing a bunch of different things in the community. Um, yeah, that, that, well, I was born in Nigeria and I grew up in Nigeria Uh and I moved to the U.S. for college. So I'm a Nigerian immigrant mother here in
3: the U.S. Mm-hmm. Tell us,
0: Wes, the most joyful part of having those two, a uh, parenting.
6: <laughs> um, I think it was well, someone said it earlier that, you know, parenting doesn't come with a manual. I wish it did, but it doesn't. Right. Desiree well, said that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the joyful part is, you know, many times I feel like I don't even know what I'm doing, but you know, it's the, the joyful part is when I see them, you know, taking some of the lessons they've been taught and you actually see them, you know, doing things that you were like, okay, when I was talking to you about this, I didn't realize I didn't think you were listening. I didn't even think you were taking any of this mm-hmm. in. And then yeah. you see them outside and they're beginning to exhibit those behaviors you've been trying to instill in them from a young age. And you're like, oh okay, I guess something is working, something is um sticking. So that's one of the joyful parts. Another one is just even just seeing how they are growing you know, from being a baby to, you know, now that they're able to do things on their own and sometimes they're like, oh, I can do it by myself. I don't need you. Even though you're proud of me sometimes it's like, OK, I wish you still needed me like that. But
0: at
4: the same right. time,
6: I'm seeing them evolving and becoming more and more independent.
0: Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And what I love about everyone's joy and what you're sharing, even I just recall Lynn saying, you know, she has a twenty two year old and this idea that they get to the point of saying thank you, right? So maybe yes. at five or four or three, they may not have that robust thank you. They may have that thank you in the moments. Um and then, you know, that there's the teen years. Um, we could talk about that. On, Two or three more podcast (laughs) episodes, right? However, this idea that we're able to, one, admit that we don't know everything, Mm -hmm. right? To that, um, the joy, right? And that's what we want to make sure that we, you know, as we move along and, and hear from you, and sometimes you might suggest a conversation that we are also able to take a moment to reflect, right? That's to say, right. what is the joyful part? Because it doesn't come with a manual. There are days where we really are like, this was a, this maybe felt like a parenting fail, or I really don't know if this is gonna work. So, the ability to uh, bring into this conversation with each other, as mm-hmm. well as other Black parents, the joy of the experience and then the diversity, right? We have folks who are, we're not all in the same state, <laughs> you know, we don't That's all right. have the same upbringing, but we all identify as Black, part of the diaspora, you know, part of the the global identity. And we are all parents trying to do the best we can. And I love, you know, Tanika, what you said about, you know, homeschooling and not having the traditional experience, having young children and those others who can relate right now. Another thing, anyone who's had a young child since 2019, has had a traditional educational experience. That's right. And that just might be good,
1: (laughs) to be quite honest, right? right? So
0: this idea, you know, and I get the homeschool. You know, my sister has done that with my niece and nephews, who I used to say were my children. Uh, But really to, to think about my daughter's First, formal enrollment school was, you know, so virtual, right? So, what does that mean to her? And then, Mm -hmm. you know, all the adjustments and challenges on top of what we were already navigating as Black parents. So, thank you for your blog and for your space and sharing that experience. Because right about now, those of us who didn't have children who had had the traditional educational experience, we're still navigating how to help our children. Um, capture and also to how to have this village right where my, my friends who had older children would say oh you know you'll meet parents at the school i saying we drop her at the door we gotta go <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, right. we can't come into the building right. we spraying our hands we wiping our feet I don't know them they don't know me you know, so this idea of how you would normally build community yeah. intentionally and purposefully in the quote unquote traditional model for those of us who had three or, you know, four two year olds is a different world. So we're going to talk about all of that. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to contextualize that. You know, Sharita and I tend to do research with preteens or adolescents, That's right. um, but we certainly will pull on the research of our colleagues and others around, you know, all of these stages and phases of childhood and really elevating mm-hmm. you know, who we are as a group. So thank you all. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. And so let's get into it now, y'all. So I want us, well, I want us as well, but you all to discuss why you joined the Parent Joy Circle. What were some of the reasons why you all joined? I feel like we, um,
4: especially kind of in the last two, three years, have kind of seen like this whole Black joy, almost like a movement, you know? Um, You know, we got hashtag Black Boy Joy, hashtag Black Girl Magic, and um, I don't know if y'all have seen like Black men frolicking um, and things like that. Um, I I had a friend tell me, she was just like, do you think that you, you ever think that you right now, like raising free Black boys, you are yeah. absolutely living your ancestors' wildest dreams. Yeah. Um, and so I never want to see this in, I want Black joy to be this vast spectrum. I want to, to exude in, you know, more than a hashtag and more than a sweatshirt. And I, if I, you know, could be so honored, just want to be a tiny representation of it. But I also want to be a, a like a pusher <laughs> of this movement mm-hmm. at all and just encourage people to almost seek it with abandon, like get that joy um, and keep it and hold it and share it. Um, And let that be, you know, your act of resistance.
2: Mm. Mm -hmm. As a parent who has an older Black boy, my son is 22. He's in college, soon to be 23. Um, I remember he's a millennium baby. He was born 2000, the year 2000. And I just remember reading articles about how they were building the prison pipeline Mm. uh, for my child, Black boys, Brown boys. And I... that time, pregnant with him, within the first year or two years of his life, I made that solemn commitment to him, my husband and I, that we would not let him be in that pipeline. So no matter what we had to do, we would make sure he excelled, that he had an enriched environment, that we challenged him, that we gave him a sense of self-esteem and pride, and that he would not be that statistic that they were trying to make my child a part of their system they whomever they may be mm-hmm. that as a mm-hmm. black boy and being a black man at some point he had to you know come from infant to toddler to being in preschool to going into elementary school, going through adolescence, now in college to find himself and to make his way in this world. So the challenge is constant at each level, at each stage of development. That you have to be um, purposeful mm-hmm. in terms of what your child is able to help them be in an environment that will allow them to, you know, foster success and and be secure. You know, and then we went through that terrible time for the last, what, you know, five, eight, ten years that we're seeing repeatedly on television, the violence against black men and black yeah. women in this country, watching it before our very eyes, not needing to be there, but seeing it and can't unsee and unhear what we know. Yeah. Um, to, to raise a black child in this environment, the school shootings, the violence, you know. It's it's hard conversations. It's the challenge mm-hmm. is not just oh I'm gonna raise a kid. It's like I'm gonna raise a kid in this environment. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah
4: I I completely and wholeheartedly agree with you, Lynn. And in fact, the reason that I homeschool um, when I was pregnant with my oldest, you know, like we just found out it was a boy, you know, and Mike Brown was murdered, hmm. and I I didn't even know like joy could be wrenched from you like that. Like I was just like angry, you know? Um, and after, you know, it, it was really just like months, I, I made the commitment that, you know, this, as long as this child was with me, the child would be free and this child would be safe. And it's, you know, part of my platform now to be really intentional about making the memories, celebrating the small. And again, just seeking that unabashed joy um, without hesitation or pause. And like you said, like being just
1: incredibly intentional about it. That's right. Yeah. Thank you for sharing both of you all. Ywande, I think you had, I think you were, you wanted to say something.
6: Yeah. I mean, I echo a lot of what the, um, what Tanika and Lynn said already, because for me it was, um, I really wanted to, help change some of the narrative. And for my son, the oldest, the older one, I mean, he's nine years old now, about to turn 10 in April. But when he was, right from when he was even in, in preschool, right, I was getting those calls from his school, from his teachers saying, oh, he's being disruptive. He's touching other kids. It's this, it's that. Like, not a single week will go by that I would not get a call from his teachers. And at some point, I was like, This boy is just three years old. What do you mean he's touching other kids? Like he's trying to play with them. Exactly. And that was when I realized that, you know, for black boys, you know, they're so quick to label them, whether it's the school system, whether any, they're just so quick to label black kids. And you know, when I realized that I was like, you know what, I need to do something different with him. And so even till this day, I, you know, I tell him things that sometimes I'm like, I don't even know if I'm doing him a disservice by telling him some of the things I tell him, you know, when George Floyd, the George Floyd incident happened, um, I he knew what was going on. I told him what was going on. Um, I showed him some parts of the video It was very hard for me to show it to him, but I showed it to him and I explained the situation to him because I realized that I couldn't shield him completely from the world and everything going on in the world because when he goes out there, all they see is he's a black boy and all the stereotypes that come with being a black boy automatically gets transferred to him and so i had to do that for you know to, to educate him on this is what's going on even till this day sometimes when he does it does you know what he's not supposed to do i tell him myself listen you're a black kid you should always remember that the same things that your white friends will get away with you will not get away with it so and it, it really hurts me sometimes when i'm telling him these things but i just feel like as a parent i need to tell him and so i joined this because in as much as i you know I'm I'm learning I'm still on this journey I've just been a mother for 9 years yeah. <laughs> but I'm still on this journey but at the same time I would you know I'm hoping to share my experience and to also learn from other you know other black moms as well yeah, yeah. thank you
0: absolutely and really what you you just described really all of you um and what you really just described is like what we'd like to to, to investigate as a racial socialization, right. right? Experience, and and that also includes, you know, racial identity, racial and ethnic identity. So this idea that as a black parent, uh, that we are engaging and raising our children To navigate living and living, if you will, in a society that's going to other them and see them as less than because of the color of their skin. Right? right? Because they are black. And there are other communities that do racial socialization, but the experience is slightly different, if not considerably different, notably different from the experience of black children and So, this idea that You are Black and and people are going to treat you differently. And so as a parent, I not only have to raise you to be healthy, to have morals, to have values, to be successful, to protect you, to guide you, to discipline you, to correct you, but I also have to protect you from this racial system, racialized system that is going to work against you just because of your identity, right? And Mm -hmm. so we do that in plain layman's terms. And sometimes we do have to make difficult decisions about these encounters that we either experience um, or these encounters that we witness. Right. And, and this idea that, you know, what Tanika said, I I love you say, you know, you know, this idea of reflecting and and determining as well as Lynn that this is not going to be the experience of my child. Right. And so I I like the, you know, that we are being really honest about how hard that is, right. That that's hard to do in this country. Um, I don't think it's ever been easy for black people in America but certainly at this moment in time is incredibly difficult. And for those of you who have boys, it's difficult. And for those of us who have girls, it's difficult. Yes. Um, and so when, what I do want us to also think about is in this difficulty, like how do we harness the joy in our children as we're telling them? that you are not going to be treated the same, right? That people aren't going to look at you. And when we are reprimanding them, either because they're just not doing what they need to do, or we need them to be extra cautious because we know that someone's waiting for them. Um, How do we, in addition to having these very difficult conversations,
1: how do you harness joy for your children and your family in those moments? That's right. That's right. And what was interesting about it was that, you know, Yawande talked about an experience with pre- at preschool, and then Leah talked about all the way up until just how do I protect my son from the school to prison pipeline? Even you're still doing that protection now, and it just doesn't stop. So you're talking about like a developmental span, like an entire lifespan of just this parenting that um, and these messages that doesn't end.
2: One thing I we have to be careful about, and because again my son is older than you know the group here. Um, I realized that, you know, all of this, a lot of this violence was occurring on television and we were witnessing, he was in his teen years, 16, 17, 18, 19, mm. repeatedly, time and time. We could go through all the names of what we have witnessed and, you know, it became almost a paranoia over me and we have to be careful that we don't project that onto our children. Yeah. I don't want my yeah. child to be psychologically blocked and and paranoid to think, And I, and I'm, I'm guilty of, you know, because I want to protect them so badly. I, and I said to him, and this is a mistake that I think, you know, I think it was a mistake, but I said, you know, some people have a, I said, some people have a target, um, on your back. Um, he's a very smart young man, um, you know, graduated top of his class academically high achieving again, because I was on it as I'm on my daughter. And I want, I know that education is important. And when they can say whatever they want to say, but once you open your mouth, there's no denying what's in your head and what's in your heart, you see. So they can say what they want to. And then once, you know, you can change a person's perspective just in a conversation sometimes when they speak to you and they're not able to just judge you on what they see physically. So what I harness is to always try to uplift my child at every stage of his life. As right now, he's, you know, finding his way in this life as a young adult making decisions, I have to pull back. Sure. I have to trust that he knows what he's doing and that he may make mistakes. Like we all make mistakes as we're learning, as we're going through this journey of life. But I think that the core value has been instilled in him you sure. know? Yeah. and he knows who he is and where he wants to go.
1: Yeah. Thank you for that. Let's get to um, Desiree and, 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 and yeah, Desiree and then we'll go right on to Sharon. Um, so tell us why you joined
5: Parent um, Joy Circle, Desiree. Um, you know, I, I joined because I want to learn from other parents and to share experiences. You know, I, I can certainly relate to what Yolande was sharing earlier. We have children of the same age. I was getting those same phone calls mm-hmm. in preschool and having to show up there, um, you know, every every single week. And um, that was stressful for me. It was stressful for my child. And as, you know, a, a first time parent to a three-year-old, um, you know, not knowing what to expect, what, you know, what what was quote unquote normal and, and, and not, and then also being very much aware of, um, you know, the fact that he is a a Black child in, you know, a system that is... Um, you know, not always going to be looking out for his best interests, but that's my job as a parent and trying to figure out and how to navigate um, the system, you know, and not drive myself crazy and not drive him nuts either. Um, so, you know, I joined this because it helps to hear from other parents and to share these stories and these experiences because, um, we, so that we don't feel alone, like we're out there, you know, as first time parents and sometimes even as second time parents, because all children are different. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, it, it, it helps to share and to, to hear, um, from other parents. So, so that's, that's part of the reason that I'm here. Certainly.
0: Well, definitely. Thank you, Desiree. And that, that is so true. And when you, you know, when I was hearing the stories about, you know, three-year-olds and having these, you know, having to go to the school and advocate, yes. um, and we clearly know at the prison of, um, you know, cradle to prison pipeline, it made me think of, you know, the culture, Black culture, right? Which is not a monolith, as we've said, That's but right. we certainly have a, a, a way of communicating. And that way of communicating, even as toddlers, is not... What is trained to teachers as a norm, right? So when we think about that, you know, the teacher training and prep, first of all, is limited for preschool te- teachers, the certifications vary from school to school, state to state. And so it's not even, you know, the standardized training that, you know, K through 12 teachers receive, which we could talk about that in awesome as well. But certainly what's considered normal behavior is not the normal behavior or cultural expressions in ways that we engage in one en- with one another, the dynamics. And so you have this othering, right? You have this, you know, this is not normal. What's wrong mm-hmm. with your child? So, so early because that's, you know, we bring our culture into these spaces where we work. And when your culture is not represented or you're not familiar with another culture, then it becomes unfortunately interpreted as a problem or interpreted as abnormal. Right. And so we see that, um, we see that in the research, we see that in our own parenting experiences. So hopefully, you know, as we move through our time together in this podcast and we have guests and have you come back we can talk about some of those strategies mm-hmm. and we can share and learn from one another and share with other parents. Like if you're having this conversation that our, our parent Joyous Circle has had, here's some strategies and some tips for right. that you can take with you into the room, right? Mm-hmm. You can take these tips with you into the room. So thank you all for sharing that. Um, Sharon, did you want to jump in with your yes. three-year-old? <laughs> yes,
3: so I um, I definitely can relate to- I'm sorry. <laughs> the enjoy a right? three-year-old. Yes. Yes.
2: But if I, if I could say something, when my son was about six years old, he was like in the first grade and he was in the after school program, not during school time, but the after school program, which basically they do a little mentoring. They play. They give him a snack until you pick them up from work uh, and they close at six. So mm-hmm. one day they wrote up a report to me about his behavior. And guess what the behavior was? He had um, put, pulled his sleeve, his arm out of his sleeve and he was flapping his shirt, you well, know, because
1: I, do, I know which exactly every what child was does.
2: About. Right. <laughs> and, and then, so they wrote him up for that. And I said, okay, and I'm waiting for the, what is the, the climax of the story? And I said, did he hit somebody? Did he touch somebody? No, he was flapping his arms. I said, let me tell you something. And this is where you have to come in as an advocate for your child. When you feel that they're not being fair and just, I said, let me tell you something. Do not write up my son for flapping his arms. They're his arms, his shirt. He didn't touch anybody. That's ridiculous. Find something else. And I was very stern about that. And yeah. I never got another report about that again. And I'm yeah. sure he was flapping his arm, trying to fly to Pluto. I didn't care. <laughs> he was not bothering anyone. Leave right. my child alone.
3: That's you will it. not
2: pick on him. That's right. I that was ridiculous. Yeah.
3: It you had like, all yeah, these kids. So and this is what, what you
2: had to write up. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so yeah, that's what I was um I was saying, I'm sorry. Uh I was can definitely write to Desiree and Ywanda because I feel like I'm currently like what we're talking about. I feel like I'm currently living through this as we speak um, because my son goes to a predominantly white um, preschool and I feel like I have to be his advocate. I just had a meeting with them yesterday and I'm just, I'm sick and I'm tired and I'm frustrated and you call me, it seems like every hour on the hour. And it's like, I can't hinder your son. It, it, it's just become very, just very frustrating to go through. And, you know, and I know that my son is very bright and intelligent and I don't want him to be like pointed out. And I, and I feel as though that's what's happening in, in that school. So I really had to go up there. Um, and, and, and just let them know, like what, this is not acceptable. This is not acceptable. And keep advocating for him, Sharon.
2: Don't be dissuaded by anybody. You must, that is normal um, behavior for a three-year-old. And if they don't know, they they shouldn't be working there.
3: Yes. And you know, it just makes me feel as though like I'm, I'm going crazy. Like, am I like doing something wrong as his mom? Like, I don't know. And I start questioning myself, but um, you know, it's it's just definitely a working progress, but I'm trying to stay positive, and I'm gonna keep speaking up for him. Uh, but that's really why I I joined the parent joy circle is really to connect with other um, parents and really be able to learn as well yeah. um, from one another uh, and and hear other stories. So I'm I'm like okay, I'm not alone. Other others <laughs> other parents have gone through this, so it just really helps me. Still better because it it's definitely it's a lot being a first time mom and I'm just doing the best that I can do.
1: I mean, that's all We're we ever alone. can do. Be the, best, we, have be the best. we have to
2: try to get our children, we have to also teach our children how to um, speak up for themselves and you know how to communicate. Like my child Absolutely. when he was he was in preschool, the one of the teachers, and it was a, it was a person who was of color. Smacked them upside his head. And he was like, maybe two and a half, three. He came home and he told us. Mm-hmm. And needless to say, my husband and I went up to that school and had a conversation with the administrator, mm-hmm. with the offender, and made it clear, this is not acceptable. And That's you do not touch to, my right. child. Mm-hmm. And it could be someone who is of the same race. It could be someone who's not we have to protect our children and we have to always ask them, what happened today at school? You know, what did you learn? And did anyone touch you? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So I I just have like two things I want to ask. I know that we've we've been chatting and I said we could chat forever. So one thing that I want to say is I agree, you definitely want to advocate for your child. And we also know that children have different personalities, right? And they can sense, right? They're very emotive at that age. And so, you know, they can sense, And sometimes they may or may not, you know, be willing to have that conversation because school is so much about, even preschool, about the socialization experience. That's right. So even these phone calls that you're sharing are about socializing, social behavior, social norms. They're not about your child is struggling to potty train or struggling to talk or struggling to to color, scribble, scrabble. It's about the socialization experience, even through kindergarten, right? And so really thinking about, you know, um, thinking about that and, you know, moving those conversations, not just from a space of your child, but what kind of training are you providing for your staff, right? right. You know, so broadening the conversation beyond it's a problem with your child. to what kinds of training, you know, youth development or child development training has your, has your staff been provided so that they understand that there is a developmental spectrum. Right. There's a developmental scale. If all of us who've had children and those, you know, who are pediatricians, you know, there's like a, there's a percentile and we don't use percentiles of development but we do know that we'll say well this is typical or you know maybe they're at this point and they'll get to this point or they're right in the middle even with the learning and socialization right. and that that expression it varies and so you know it's it's advocating for your child and then this you know two or three causes what kind of training are you providing your staff so that they're aware of the variety of ways that children behave
1: and function at this age yeah and i was you also know? going to say valerie i also think I mean, we have to have a conversation, too, about space. Absolutely. It's just yes. every space is not going to be equitable. Every space is not going to be equitable. are going to see your child for who they are. Absolutely. And sometimes we send our we children the to, to these top schools and they're just segregated when they get in the schools, regardless mm-hmm. of what the pretty flyer on a looks like, looks exactly. like right yeah. or, or mm-hmm. the website and so sometimes you just have to move them too because it's about space it's about space mm-hmm. and training mm-hmm. you know so space and space training. that's yep. it yeah mm-hmm.
4: and sometimes and- it's not even in the schools um especially for me and even <laughs> the i i can't even go through all of what i had to do to get my child my children properly and adequately diagnosed and it was mm-hmm. until we find, mm-hmm. we found yep a developmental pediatrician of color. And I brought in literally every evaluation my child has had. And she walked in like panting. She was like, I'm so sorry. I've been reading this. And she was just, you know, I talked, she listened to me. I I never felt so heard by a medical professional. Um, She evaluated my child and she looked at me and she was just like, I'm frankly appalled that by the information you brought in and seeing him today, then no other medical professional has properly diagnosed him. And while I had, you know, the aunties and the grandparents saying, oh, don't do that. And he's going to get a stigma. It was important for me to get all of the information possible to advocate for him and to educate him to protect and advocate for himself. Um, And so, like you said, it, it is um, sorry like you said Miss Lynn, it is like a, a constant you know because as he's developing, things are changing, changing. and things you know and while he it may be um, people may not see it as a symptom of something and I have to be very educated this aware is a better term of what this symptom is uh, a symptom of. What is it that needs? And then on top of that, training him <laughs> to cope and and be able to self-soothe himself, or even advocate and tell me like it is really loud in here, and I don't like that these lights are flickering. I don't feel safe um, because mm-hmm. if I yes. wasn't there and there was just you know a sensory meltdown, that could be perceived in an entire you know variety of ways that could escalate very very quickly. Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Absolutely. Uh, and so I think the advocacy that we we behave and also what we haven't said, maybe Lynn, Lynn starts to hint on it, is the modeling for our children, right? Yeah. yeah. The modeling of how you manage and navigate. So even at three, you know, they may not be able to emulate fully or six or nine, but they are paying attention, as we heard earlier Yawande say. So this idea of advocating for our children, teaching them how to advocate at the capacity that they can at the age they are, and modeling that behavior is so, so important. And then what, you know, Sharita is saying, you know, my co-host, this idea that sometimes you can have the advocacy and have a organization or institution that's responsive, and sometimes you don't. So you might have, to, as Tanika said, go knocking on multiple doors, or you might just have to make the decision that this space is not safe for me and my family or my children in this space. Right. And so, you know, we acknowledge that it's not going to be the same and, you know, finding the network and the resources one to say, Hey, I'm going through this too, as Sharon mentioned, but also thinking about, okay, if this doesn't work, if I've tried the strategies that I've heard in other places, you know, what kinds of decisions do I need to make now? And being okay with that because as we've said, it doesn't come with a handbook, right? And so we do have to have these difficult conversations, but also, you know, appreciate what I'd like to say, um, and started to say during COVID 2019, we've got to harness the joy, right? It. Because it's been so difficult. We've got to harness the joy. So we what we started doing in my family. Well, funny story. My daughter was almost born with rhythm. I know that probably sounds stereotypical, but no, we have videos of her and like one dancing to Marvin Gaye. We're like, where'd she get that from? Right? Like, We literally have these videos. Then we sent her to a daycare center. She came home like she was in a mosh pit jumping up and down and we were aghast. My husband is also African-American. We said, oh, this is not going to work. So we started having Friday night old school parties, we were like, this is not going to work. How do you go from dancing to Marvin Gaye to jumping up and down? This is not going to work, yes. right? In these multicultural spaces, we were like, this is a culture alert. We had a problem with this. It was right. a problem for us, right? right we right. met dancing, so it was a problem. Right. So we got to the point we would have Friday night dance parties, and she got her rhythm back. Hallelujah, praise God. But why I chuckle about that is when we got to COVID-19, in terms of harnessing joy we would have parties and we definitely were one of those families where we were like, DJ D nice saved our life, right? So oh, yeah. you know, she's making turntables out of the CDs. We're dancing. She's getting introduced to, you know, older or classic R and B. And you know, we that's how we helped her get her rhythm back and keep it, you know, but we really were like this is going to be our family joy moment, Mm -hmm. right? Because it all, you know, we know what was going on. We know about Breonna Taylor. We know about George Floyd. We know about... Our family members, you know, dying in these, yeah. in these multitudes because of COVID-19. We know about the isolation. She was young, as I mentioned earlier. So we just were like, this is gonna be our thing, you know? And so we we did dance parties. And um that is, and we continue to have dance parties. And I said, This is how we're gonna harness our joy. Yes. We do other things as well, but that became our family ritual. We're we're gonna harness our joy. And, and, and that, again, was one of the ways that we said we've got to up the quotient every week. We've got to have some joy because it's too, things are so heavy, so right? Harsh. And parenting for Black parents can be very heavy. And I think that's why we're saying is joyful and resilient children because there are going to be times where they have these interactions and it's a hard day, a hard week. But then there are times where we've got to have joy. Right. And so we love you know, we love the opportunity to to speak with you and and to speak with the parents who are listening to us because we want to do both. We want our children to be thrive no matter where they are. But we also want to protect them. And that is that's that racial socialization. That's the advocacy process for themselves, us advocating for them. But we also are like we, we've we got to find these ways and identify and share the ways that we harness joy, not just in ourselves as parents, but that we help our children to harness that joy as well.
1: That's right. That's right. And I was going to say, I keep going back to what Tanika said about free black children and sort of what does that mean? And that's also part of the joy as well, too. When you always say that, like, I want to raise free black boys to be and just own their own voices in terms of what they want to do. So I'm hoping, and I know that we will have that conversation and just this is what it's all about in terms of leading up to this and the parent joy circle and you all sharing your stories with us as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we thank you again for sharing all that you share with us this evening. We look forward to our continued conversations. The topics that we want to go further and deeper. Yeah. The new topics where we're we'll all say, I don't know about that. Let's find out. Let's find out right, together. Right. You know, <laughs> let's bring someone into this conversation. So we're yeah. we're going to do all of that together. Uh, we're going to be spending time with you and with our audience, and we're just super excited. I, I just you know I love to say especially after we've had these deep conversations, let's not forget about that joy. So how are we going to harness joy when we come together? What's going to be our joy thing? Yeah, Karen? what are we
2: going to do? Well, since I noticed it's a group <laughs> of African-American queens, I like to address each of us as queens. Ooh. You know queen mommies. Queen mommies. I like it. I like yeah, it. I like it. We, yeah. are, we are. Oh, I'm here for to it. To be a mother, to be a parent, you know, I mean, it's the highest honor as far as I'm concerned. And you know? that's it. Whether yes. you've that's had me. that child naturally or you've adopted that child or you're just raising, you've, you've become that that parent to that child in the community. It's the highest honor because you are shaping a person. You that's are what? shaping uh, a mind, you know, hopefully raising it with empathy and care and intelligence and and. um Self good positive self esteem, so it's the highest honor, as far as I say. So that's my joy. You know, I used to before I ever had children, I used to wonder, I always wanted children, I always want to be a mom, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. I used to say I wanted four until I had two, and I was like, Are you kidding me? Uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> a lot, of whole, it's a whole bunch of work up in here. No. <laughs> so, yeah. um, I had uh, two, and, I, and lucky for me, I had a boy and a girl, so I was like, Bingo, I you know, I hit it right off the bat, so yeah. I was good. <laughs> Uh, yeah. but you know, I always wanted to have children. I always used to wonder, you know, what would they, you know, what would they look like? How would they be? And then once they came, then I was like, Oh, I can't wait to hear their thoughts when they're able to communicate, you know, at every stage, you're just waiting to see what it's going to be. Yeah. And so as I see my children flourish and grow, mm-hmm. you know, a 16 year old daughter, teenage daughter, a 22 year old young man, you know, um, it's just every step of the the way I've enjoyed it. I mean, it's, there's been difficult times without a doubt, but I'm just looking at that little baby I once held and now I'm seeing this man and, you know, this little baby I had before a little toddler. I remember how she used to sing around the house and she's a performer. You talk about your daughter, um, you know, who likes, you know, who came out dancing. My daughter is much the same. She's a performer, no matter what it is in the arts. I mean, she's very gifted that way. And to see who she is now and how she embraces it, how it's really part of her personality. I can play back videos. Look at you when you were three. You've been that way all your life, you know? So those Mm -hmm. are joys, you know, to see who they're shaping to be, you know, Mm -hmm. and that you had a hand in instilling that. So that's, that's wonderful.
0: So thank you, Lynn, for getting us started and for suggesting that we'll be Queen queen Mommies, Queen Mothers, indeed. Yes, right. um, and we're our parents always mm-hmm. circle of Queen Mothers. Welcome to the circle, Queens. And we thank you. Just excited to continue the conversation and just um, keep hearing from you all about the kinds of joy that we're going to share with one another and how we are going to, you know, revel in that joy as a as a community of this podcast that's right
1: we just appreciate you yeah thank you, you all you know, yeah. thank you I'm, I don't have anything to add I, I really like the queen mother I'm like on that I'm like the
2: I like that I like it, I like it too yeah well thank you thank you for being part of the community just let's keep uplifting each other and you know not wherever we are you know
1: Yeah. And and then also remember, you know, we're learning from each other, but like the parents as well that's listening to this, I hope that they feel some type of, oh, my gosh, I'm not alone in this journey as well, too. So, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely
0: absolutely so thank you all for joining us uh, thanks thanks to our queen mother parent joy circle thank you for the parents who are listening and to the aunties and the yeah. uncles go ahead and nudge the parents and tell them to join in to listen yeah. uh, we are here right i'm dr valerie adams and, and my co-host yep you. dr
1: sharita butler burns
0: and we are here as part of raising joyful and resilient black children it is a part of the alive podcast network And this podcast was created and produced by Jacqueline Dujay, edited by Manny Simon of Vita Productions. And you can follow, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you're listening to us. Go to whatisblack.co for parenting resources and tools. And while you're there, you can sign up for our new monthly newsletter where you can hear more about these topics and others. And you can also follow us on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at What Is Black. That is What Is
1: B-L-K at What Is Black. We're Dr. Valerie Adams-Bass. And Dr. Sherita Butler-Barnes. Thank you all for listening.